0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy.
1: Thanks for joining us in this episode of Hot Topics in Specialty Pharmacy, where we sit down with content matter experts and discuss what is currently top of mind in the world of specialty pharmacy. My name is Mike Gannon, and today's podcast is titled The Logistics Behind Specialty Pharmacy Shipping Requirements. Our panelists for today's discussion include Helen Northrop, Clinical Coordinator of Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist Specialty Pharmacy, Hong Chong, Director of Specialty Pharmacy at Virginia Mason Franciscan Health. And Stephanie Barris, specialty pharmacy supervisor, University of Utah Health, and they will be sharing their insights on how they manage shipping challenges at their respective institutions, which is critical to ensure patients receive their specialty medication in a timely and cost efficient manner. We feel that this is an important discussion as we have recently seen multiple factors that have increased the complexity of shipping operations. For example, we've heard lots of colleagues talk about challenges regarding staffing shortages, either internally or with their shipping vendors, such as national carriers or local couriers. Additionally, we've heard a lot about lost or damaged packages due to times of social unrest, natural disasters or temperature extremes, and supply chain issues that potentially threaten our ability to source these materials needed to provide these services. Furthermore, we are also seeing uh, across the industry increases in costs due to a variety of factors, most notably gas prices. And then finally, we've had recent changes in accreditation standards for room temperature packing. All of these factors have really challenged specialty pharmacy leaders to think outside of the practice of pharmacy and more like individuals trained in either supply chain logistics or thermodynamic engineers. The content in today's discussion will cover three broad areas in shipping. We will start with topics in pharmacy operations, then transition into a discussion of how shipping is included as part of quality management. And finally, we'll conclude with some thoughts on the future state of shipping in health system specialty pharmacy. So thank you all for joining today and and special thank you for our panelists. My first question is a group question, and Helen, we'll start with you. How are shipping and logistics managed at your institution?
0: Well, Michael, at our institution, shipping logistics are a part of coordinator responsibilities, which including creating, validating, and testing delivery procedures, cold chain packouts, um, using appropriate diagram based on weather conditions, daily adjustments of workflow. Technicians on our team perform actual packing and labeling tasks. And we do have a dedicated team member responsible for managing shipping exceptions with the coordinator's oversight. Han, what about your institution?
2: Our technician team, there's all the shipping and the logistics with it. We don't have a large team, so everybody does it. So our mail logistics are built into our technician's standard work. We have technicians rotating through the different shifts, and one of them is responsible for handling the mail out for that day. Obviously, this is a priority each day. And so we're short on anyone. There will be a technician that's on that shift. There are procedures on how we pack and courier to use. Although most of ours are with a one national courier. Depending on the technology up in place, the work is daunting. Luckily, we do have a manifesting program that is extremely helpful. Our shipping platform is integrated with our dispensing software. That saves a lot of time from duplicate entering information. How about you, Stephanie?
3: So here at Utah, a lot of what you said is very similar, I think, with what we have here. I think we have a really amazing team. Our specialty pharmacy manager is very hands-on, provide adjustments daily as needed. Utah has some very variable weather depending on the moment, and so we always have to be on top of everything. We do also have very clear policies and diagrams for our technicians to follow. What's interesting here is a lot of our specialty team might not directly be in the pharmacy or the technicians that might be setting up the deliveries. So communication is really important that we're all on the same page. So we actually have a really great tracking sheet that everybody has access to. You can look at it at any given time and have a snapshot of the day's deliveries just readily available. So everybody has that communication equally available for everybody to reference when needed.
1: Even within this group, it seems like there's some variation between having a dedicated resource or having a team basically help contribute to the shipping operation. I know one of the real critical decision points when building out your specialty pharmacy and s- figuring out your shipping services, deciding who are you going to be using to provide these services between either a local courier or a national carrier. So, Stephanie, can you talk a little bit about that decision at your institution and and who do you use for your shipping services?
3: Absolutely. Our decision tree goes into a few very key pieces of information. And the first one is how quickly does the patient need the medication? And I think that is what drives our most the first point of the decision. So if a patient needs the medication right away, if they're going to go without therapy, we'll probably adjust and make sure we can try and set up a same day courier. Whether that's through our own internal service, we have our own couriers within our pharmacy, or we might hire an external courier service within the Valley. Again, just making sure that the patient gets the medication at the time that they need. The next question that we always ask is the distance. We are in Salt Lake City, but we service a lot of different surrounding states. Um, if the distance is local, it's within the Valley, we have a geographic map set up for our team so they know within certain zip codes what steps we'll take and we'll do it a courier or if we'll ship it out via a national service. So if it's out of state, we typically default to the national service. And then I think cost of the medication is always something that plays a role, um, depending on what you're comfortable with and the insurance policies that you might want to look into. We always uh, keep that as part of one of our decision points as well. Um, Helen, what about your group?
0: Yes, Stephanie. At Atrium Health For Forest Baptist Specialty Pharmacy, we do use definitely very similar logic in terms of triaging the patient needs. So patient having the medication is our, our highest priority. We do serve three states. Usually our courier is utilized for any urgent deliveries, same-day deliveries. And if patient does not need it urgently, then we do utilize a national carrier for that. We do also deliver medications to internal clinics. And in that case, we also use the internal couriers for that. Of course, as you mentioned before, medication cost plays a role in selecting different methods of um, delivery and that also distance to where a patient lives.
2: I actually have a question for both of you. Are there tools for your team members to decide on what to use? Or is it, or they just know how to use? Are there technology tools that you're using?
3: I don't think it's a technology tool. So we just have a simple map with the the zip codes on it that our team can follow. And then in addition to that, we have a shipping guideline policy so people can reference that for those medications that we consider high dollar. There are so many medications. There's no way to memorize that. So we need to give them that tool. So we have reference documents. Just simple PDFs are what have helped us here.
0: Well, for us, Han, that's a great question. Because about 85% of our patients live actually within the state of North Carolina where we're shipping. So if patients really needs it the same day, we do utilize the courier for that. If it goes to any other state, then we will triage how acutely patient needs. Can it be filled in any other pharmacy or can we also. But we do utilize primarily the couriers for urgent deliveries. And it's also based on the communication between our team. As Stephanie mentioned before, communication is a key. And so if a patient really urgently needs it, it, it really communicates down to operations to get that set up.
1: Are your technicians constantly engaging you as you know your clinical leaders or your supervisors to help differentiate the gray areas? Or, or how do you empower them to make those decisions on, on their own?
0: I think for us, it's generally we empower our technicians if patients really need it. Patients is our highest priority. as really part of our mission for our institution is patient care. Primarily, it's really only rarely for some specific questions they might reach out, but generally they follow guidelines for what patient is really needing.
3: I think that's very similar here too. patient priority is something that we stress. The questions that we've received in the past are why we developed those reference documents to just help at least create a framework for them to start. But if a patient needs something urgently, we always get the FYI, this is something that we're looking into or this is something we're planning to do. So if we needed to intervene, we could, but I don't know all the time when I said, no, we won't, we won't send it that way when a patient needs the medication. So communication and I think putting patient first has helped us.
1: Thank you for that response. So Stephanie, I know you had mentioned some decision points around adopting insurance. And so I'm I'm curious about that as well. And it sounds like, Hung, maybe you've had some experience with evaluating whether or not to elect insurance on packages, given the increases in lost packages or delays in in shipping. Can you explain how you've done that analysis and you can share what your decision was? That, That would be great.
2: It's a really simple analysis. It's basically... What's the cost of insuring the packages and what's the losses we have had? So, basically, when we looked at how much it costs to insure these packages, which are extremely expensive, the insurance prices are pretty darn high, thinking about how much these are costing. But the return on investment was not there to insuring it. You know, when you include the labor costs of our team having to understand and put in insurance and understand how much that package is costing. That's a lot of work. It's a little daunting, right? So instead, we encourage our clients to sign up for package tracking, especially clients that are getting maintenance drugs from us, right? They're getting it every month. So sign it up with the respective national courier. In the Seattle area, we see a lot of porch stuff, and we understand that. So does a lot of our clients. And so They understand that they need to get those packages off their porch. We also get notification from our carrier when there's issues, such as quantum view from UPS. When we do see that, we do proactively reach out to our patients and to make sure they can expect their delivery and be home for it.
1: It's interesting that that decision, there might also be, from what I hear from colleagues across the nation and as part of the business development sag, there might be other options that are available to you at your health system. You know, We've had people mention cargo insurance, or maybe talking to your finance department or part of your risk management department that is at your respective institution. There might be options that are cheaper, that are similar to what's offered through the national carriers that that might be available to you that might change that that analysis to make it more cost effective. But your points are very well taken. For the most part, I think a lot of people see that it's not worth it with the national carriers due to the expense.
2: I think also, you know, there are third-party logistics that I'm sure we'll go into that does support some of that work as well. So you need to do the ROI on that because they usually cost a little bit more, right? Because you're getting a you're getting a vendor to kind of help support this work. And so you are got to get more, but you're going to also have to pay more. And so understanding if it's also worth um, the losses. Yeah,
1: speaking of those exceptions and and just in general, just managing all these, we're referring to it as logistics, but there's a lot of things that, nuances that pop up with it operating a shipping service. How, like, how are you managing all those? And can you talk a little bit about the relationship that you have with any third-party vendors that help manage those logistics? Is there anything else that you can add to that?
2: Just talking to the panelists, I don't, I don't think any of us are currently using a third-party logistics company, but... We have looked at a few and they're pretty slick. I have to admit, I mean, there's some amazing tools that they're able to reroute a prescription to retrieve a prescription. Obviously, there's a cost to each of that. They also have a predictive model. If they see there's an issue that there's a disaster in Memphis and if it's a FedEx and they know that Memphis is a hub for FedEx, they're going to reroute that package to another hub. To prevent delays. So it's amazing. It's just, you know, how much are you doing? And there's always a minimum cost and it's an a la carte menu a lot of time because if you need to retrieve something, there's a cost to it. You know, there's flexibility to look at what you want to buy to supplement your own shipping process. We don't have it currently. It could be in the future It we're beginning to see losses mounting up. Helen, anything else to add from? From your
0: perspective we definitely have similar approaches was with- Han described we don't really use at this time any third-party logistics but we he's right there's incredible tools that we're also looking into potentially implementing to help manage and rescue packages specifically especially for the regions where the weather changes very frequently and it's what some of the tools will allow is for that weather planning and helping patient to do it proactively more so set expectations and ensure that they get medication in a timely manner and ensure the con- continuity of the therapy. Thanks for that answer.
1: I want to transition us into more of this uh, quality management perspective on, on shipping operations. Obviously, this is a big part of the, the quality initiatives that might be a part of accreditation standards. Just curious if you all can share, and Stephanie, maybe we start with you, what are your packing procedures for accreditation and, and how did you arrive at those procedures?
3: Right now for Utah, we use the ISTA certified coolers and the recommended packouts. For me, when I would think of how we arrived here, and maybe others feel the same way, sometimes it's trial and error. You just continue working until you find something that's what's best for your group, and sometimes it takes some time. You know, for example, with Utah, we have more than four seasons, and I think what's hard for us is they change so frequently. For example, today, it's almost 80 degrees, but two days ago, it snowed. So it is extremely complicated to just try and stay on top of things but we've just really worked hard to develop very clear packouts multiple packouts very clear diagrams and we we test them often our teams follow these diagrams and then when something doesn't work or we get something that came back out of range we retest and we we keep we keep working on it i think what's important to realize is it's not really black or white. It's not something that once you figure it out, you're good. It's constantly changing. And so you have to be mobile enough to work with it and change with it and communicate all of those changes to make sure that you
0: continue down the right path.
1: Um, what, what about your team at Atrium Health?
0: Absolutely. We do have a similar approach what Stephanie described. We do utilize externally and internally validated cold chain technology and the packouts for shipping and delivering medications to patients' homes. Our team is also following the pre-specified outs diagram, and it is tailored by of course, the storage condition requirements and the distance and the climate and the temperature ranges. And of course, as Stephanie mentioned, the temperature differs and what the time of the day when you're shipping is also need to be taken into account in terms of deciding of what temperature range to use, for example, for the packouts. There are some solutions out there. They use the standard packout across different or multiple temperature ranges. So for some of the to consider if one packout might be more useful for a specific team. But for us, well, we do have a multiple packouts based on different temperatures. And then we use the internally validated coolers for just more so eight-hour, not further than eight-hour deliveries for internal clinics or patients' homes who live nearby.
2: Uh, Virginia Mace and Franciscan Health. Well, they'll be at a crossroad. Unfortunately, I wish we were in the same position as Helen and Stephanie, but what we were using before we're having issues with getting those products so currently we're using two different a cold chain technology and then two also two different shipping envelopes for the ambient products which is not ideal we're going back and forth our team members just follow the packing diagram for the specific container and envelope according the, to the geographical location and season as mentioned we ship to Arizona, and we also ship to montana and alaska so you can imagine the extreme temperature and heat and cold. We're at a bit of a crossroad. I think this is why being in, in like a, the specialty pharmacy group at ASHP is extremely helpful, where you can actually ask to, for support. I found out from my colleague, Christine, that she just had spoken to Helen a couple of days ago on trying to learn what... Hm was doing. And she found out that Helen and I were on this podcast and she said, oh, I just had spoken to her just yesterday. We're always looking for more information and to learn from others.
1: You know, I think another interesting aspect of this, we've heard from some folks that are evaluating environmentally friendly materials. Just curious if anybody has some input on how your institutions looked at that and, and what you found with evaluating those materials for your shipping operations?
0: For us, we we have looked at different options and we actually moved from non-recyclable materials to utilizing a recyclable insert part for the cold chain that now patients can recycle. And it is goes into actual cardboard box that is also recyclable. One of the other things and solutions that we're looking into is actual the ice packs or gel packs that I used. Currently, they are not recyclable. There are some options out there that we are looking at that contains water. However, they're definitely more expensive options to utilize. And at this time, we're evaluating adding that supply as a part of our cold chain. Of course, everything has to be retested every every time anything new is utilized for any of the packouts. Hannah, what about you?
2: Well, we are exploring it. And yes, you know, recycling has always been important to all of us. I think. And and patients are actually looking for that as well. And so not just us, but from the patient's perspective, because they hate getting those styrofoam coolers because they hate throwing stuff in the garbage as well. So it'll meet their need. The other piece too, is a lot of health system and organizations are trying to push for a environmental friendlier uh, mission, right? And so just last week, Common Spirit, which is Basically, the health system that's over us basically put out an announcement about climate, right? And so you can get the support to do a lot of this work now. It's it's not an uphill battle. You're gonna have full support from the organization to be more environmentally friendly. I think that makes it easier when the whole organization is supporting that work.
1: Thanks for talking about that. You know, that's going to be important for everybody to consider as we continue to. To move forward with these shipping operations, I want to talk a little bit about just monitoring compliance with your packouts. Can you talk a little bit about some of the testing processes that you all have at your institutions? And, and maybe Helen, we could start with you first.
0: Absolutely. So we currently test any cold chain technology at the beginning. So before implementing, we're making sure that it has, has an external validation as well as we can internally validate to ensure appropriate storage requirements. And then thereafter, we currently testing quarterly to ensure appropriate conditions. We do utilize the tracking devices for our, specifically for validation and testing. We do not use any tracking devices for everyday shipping, but we use those for validating our packouts. And additionally, if our validation out of range or we have any patient complaint or any other, we've noticed that something may may look off, we always retest and test to ensure that those tests actually validate each other. So we do multiple tests for the same delivery method to ensure it is and appropriate information that we receive and the results are supporting of each other and validative of each other. That's
1: excellent. Thanks, Alan. I think we all have similar processes at our institutions on the panel. What about metrics that you look at outside of just temperature validation that you use to assess the quality of your overall shipping operation? Are there specific metrics that you're looking at with your practice at Common Spirit?
2: Yeah, we don't have a lot of metrics. I can tell you that we track volume by package type for operational purposes. You know, it takes more resources to, it's in supplies and time for to ship a cold chain product. So we need to understand the demand so we can staff appropriately. And also uh, budgeting, right? This is costing more and more every day uh, supplies and transportation costs. So a cold chain is a lot heavier because of all the ice in the package. So we need to understand that pretty well to budget. We haven't formally tracked how long it's taking the courier to deliver the package. When we do outreach to our patients, we do coordinate on when they are expecting these packages. We would know if it's not coming at the uh, promised time or day that the package is coming. So if things change, we would know. For accreditation purposes, we do track errors such as late or missing packages or delivery to the wrong address. Stephanie, anything else to add from your experience at Utah?
3: No, it's really similar here. We do track the on-time or late deliveries. The one thing that we do have additionally here, we do have a team of technicians that they're, um, their main role is to set up those deliveries, but they also have a process where they check to make sure it was delivered by checking the, the status using the tracking numbers. And so we will proactively reach out to patients if we're noticing a delay or something that way. And then we track any of those that didn't meet quite the time frame that we expected. I don't think there's much more. This is very hard. So I think it's, it's something that everybody's really working on, but I don't have more to add.
1: You know, I think when you think about quality management too, one of the, areas that's getting more and more attention just because of the challenges we've had recently with the pandemic and some natural disasters is disaster planning. So I'm curious, how have your institutions incorporated your shipping operation for specialty pharmacy as part of your your disaster planning efforts? Helen, maybe you can talk to that first.
0: Sure, thank you, Michael. So for us, we proactively monitor whether in any weather conditions on a daily basis, and so we are trying if any storm or any inclement weather conditions going to be in one of the areas where we're shipping, or of course taking into consideration service level for delivery, whether it's going to go on the plane or whether it's going to be a ground delivery, to ensure that package will get there in a timely manner, and if we. Based on that information, the package will not be delivered to a patient in timely manner. We are proactively reaching out to those patients and trying to rearrange different delivery day or different delivery method. If, for example, if if the package flying through a specific hub and there's going to be a big windstorm there, so we may use a different delivery method via ground, for example, to send that package to patient. We do have those files with different zip codes um, and it will help us determine which way the package will arrive so we'll be able Mm to tailor our efforts based on that and that's one of the ways we are utilizing disaster planning for those efforts and of course a lot of the times that might happen some of the incidences and instances, that's really more of a reactive approach to when it's already happened Patient and package is already delayed, whether it can be a fire or any other natural disaster that is not predictable, then we also react really primarily with the patient in mind and how we can redispense and deliver to that patient. I'm curious how different other institutions do that.
3: Here at Utah, That. Very similar. We're trying to be proactive, but a lot of times it is reactive once something has already been sent. I think the other part that nobody really wants to have happen, but if if we really are unable to fill that prescription, maybe there's a disaster where we're at, or there's something that means that we're unable to dispense that medication. The next step for us, of course, is to try and find a location that can dispense it, that patient, whether it's another You know, one of our pharmacies in particular, or if it's an external pharmacy, I think that's something that we will look at because the ultimate goal is for patients to have have their medication. It's not necessarily off the off the table for us either.
2: I think another thing to think about is when there is a disaster, are you getting your drugs from your wholesaler? And so, because they're shipping to us as well, and so when we're planning for that, that's going to affect what we do as well.
1: Any opportunity you can get to review those policies and review with your team. What do we do in these types of situations? You know, I remember there'd be times at UIC where the electricity would go out for 45 minutes and it's like, let's just review what we do in these situations so that if there was a larger disaster, maybe we're top of mind on what we do to manage our patients to make sure that they're getting their medications. So thank you for that, for those comments. What I want to do is I want to transition us into the future state of shipping. And I'm curious, you know, open question for you all. And and Helen, maybe we'll start with you. What types of innovative solutions are you looking at for your
2: operation for the future of shipping with your specialty pharmacy services? It's not innovation because (laughs) I think a lot of people are doing it already. But for us, it will be new. I mean, so having our own drivers. We had a technician that was driving for, do some deliveries prior to COVID, but with COVID, we wanted to minimize the exposure that we're putting our employees and So we kind of stopped the program and haven't had a chance to bring it back up for obvious reason, because COVID seems to be going away and then coming back. We're looking at perhaps pickup lockers, right? If you have more than one hospital and it's spread out, are you able to use internal couriers to bring some of these drugs and to put in pickup lockers. And then patients can go to a facility that's closer to their home. Think of Amazon lockers in different places. And then there's a, a lot of companies now that would partner up with Uber and Lyft and just that helps with deliveries. That's a possibility. We're just looking right now and just trying to learn as much as we can.
0: As for us, we have tried drone deliveries. And so within um, the Atrium house um, Wake Forest Baptist specialty pharmacy, where the, our location, we located on main campus. However, we do have other outpatient pharmacies that at which locations patients may prefer to pick up. And so we have piloted using drones to deliver to one nearby pharmacy as just the pilot project for that. But for other innovative solutions that we're really looking at two big areas. One is more so increase tracking visibility and flexibility, and that really the first mile delivery and the quality of that delivery and being able to communicate, being able to adjust as needed for if patient's not home, how can we reroute it? Or that sort of really Service that we're looking at, and I'm looking at some of the local delivery services to be able to provide that additional visibility and tracking for us. Um, the other service where we're looking at, as Han mentioned a little bit before, about the third parties for rescuing packages as well. So it's kind of in the same vein, how we can get the distress package rerouted quickly, how we can ensure that we decrease the losses of the medications for stability reasons, like cold chain, if it's a disaster, whatever may happen, patient's not home, so it's not really going to be outside the window for which they're still viable. Those are really the three Big innovative areas that we have looked and are looking into. What about you, Stephanie?
3: So for us, I think our biggest innovation over the past few years is really having our own career team and having three drivers and our own vehicles to deliver the medications specifically within the valley. They have other roles and responsibilities with Central Phil with our pharmacy. And so it's not just the specialty medications that they're delivering to patients. But it's been a very successful opportunity for us and helped us to not use the external courier service as much. So it's very, very much cost saving and and a very great return on that. It also seems to have really, our patients really enjoy that when they see their drivers. But the other thing that we're working with for for innovation is trying to use some smart delivery mapping to help with the routes that our, our drivers are taking and just, navigating that how to be the most efficient how to be the best use of the time and it's that's something that we're working on it's, it's not as easy sometimes with large organizations to to get programs on board but we're looking forward to that
1: yeah that's excellent I, I think the point that stands out to me is that there's so many options that we all have i mean even even using electric cars you know maybe that's something that becomes more commonplace in the future and and drive savings that can benefit our shipping operations. But just the, the options of, of methods is really interesting. and I think it also is important for us to evaluate just because other aspects of specialty pharmacy, the health system is, is best positioned to manage any delays or risks associated with medication delivery because we have, for the majority of our patients, such such a close proximity compared to maybe, you know, a drug that's coming from a large mail order facility. 800, 900 miles away, we're able to, you know, mitigate those risks because we have these options available to us and we're, we're so close in proximity. So that's great. I, I'm happy to hear about those innovations and looking forward to seeing what you all are able to do to help drive efficiencies and improve costs and, and increase the patient experience for our, our specialty pharmacy patients. That really concludes the the topics that we had scheduled to discuss today as part of this logistics of specialty pharmacy shipping requirements podcast. I'll leave it up to the panelists if if you want to just have a couple concluding remarks about anything shipping related that you feel like that we haven't been able to talk to or anything else that
2: you'd like to share with us. Well, I'd just like to thank Mike and uh, my fellow panelists for the opportunity to join you guys on this helpful learning process as well going through the information. This is becoming more and more important as we see the cost of specialty drugs keep going up and more of it. So it's an important topic.
3: I echo the same thing. Thank you, everybody, for for being able to meet and talk through this. I think what's important for me is just I don't feel like I'm an expert. I just feel like we have some really awesome processes here at Utah that um, they're and some really amazing people here that have developed. And it's great to share that because I think we're all in, in a similar position. This is hard and it, it's constantly changing and being able to share these ideas. Some might work and some might not. I, I think it's, you know, take what works best for you and then, and then build on that success. So I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity and for the team I have here that has been able to be this innovative.
0: Absolutely. Thank you everyone for an opportunity to share what we do at our institution as well. As Stephanie and Hansel eloquently put it, it is specialty pharmacies ever changing world and really learning from each other was trial and errors before we're rolling out to the patients, of course, is the really the most important. And the shorter road we have to that is, is really the best and most benefits for our patients. So thank you.
1: Thanks for all those comments and for those of you that are just getting started with specialty pharmacy, don't get overwhelmed. This is, as you have heard, a learning process, and, and you have great resources available to you at ASHP in terms of resources on the website or resources with members, colleagues that you can reach out to and share your experiences and, and pick each other's brains to improve your operations and really take care of our patients. And with that, I'd like to thank you all for listening, and we look forward to the next podcast. Have a great day.